For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What do we have here? It is a Lulz episode in the harsh light of day. Brian and I normally don't come out until the evenings, but uh, a combination of my travel schedule plus us being interested in shifting Lulz to more of a, a late afternoon schedule brings us here today. And we have a, a very special guest. You guys might know him from some of my DFS streams. You might know him from the Advanced Analytics pod with Blender or for his work over at Advanced Sports Analytics. It is, of course, Stuart Gibson here today to talk to us about So Rare, which is a NFT meets fantasy sports game that I've heard about for a while, but have never jumped into. And uh, you're going to walk us through uh, what you've uh, gotten into over on the platform so far. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me. Like, I, I've enjoyed kind of following the the LOL stream and you guys, I think, talk about like different niches of the speculative and or sports markets in kind of a fun way. So uh, this for me has been like a platform that I kind of stumbled upon, I guess, last summer, uh, have been experimenting and exploring. And, uh, you know, now that with the football season winding down, I think kind of like late December started really spending a lot more time like studying the platform, building some of my own tools and, and stuff to better participate in the platform. And uh, yeah, been a super fun experience, I think, for anyone who's got interest in like different DFS concepts, uh, anyone who's interested in like the NFT marketplace. Uh, I think there, there's a lot of fun to be had and, uh, you know, potentially some good financial returns, uh, you know, depending on, on how you're able to play. Brian, had you heard of So Rare at all before uh, Stuart messaged us? I did. I, and I just did a little research before the show and it is different than what I thought it was. I thought it was just, I thought it was just soccer NFTs. Mm. Without like the top shot. I thought it was top shot for the premier league or something. Yeah. Go ahead, Stuart. I was going to say, yeah, the, the, I think the relationship or kind of comparison to top shots pretty natural uh, in that. Yeah. Sports NFTs for soccer. Um, you know, I, I got interested in Top Shot around this time last year. And, you know, it's like fun seeing the different, uh, you know, sports NFTs, the collectibles and stuff and kind of entered so rare with the Top Shot mindset of like, I want to buy these collectibles, find, you know, uh, collectible NFTs that might increase in value. Uh, definitely not the way to approach it. And I think that kind of burned me pretty early on. Uh, it is very much, you know, I think, Beyond just being an NFT, I think it honestly has more like akin to dynasty type fantasy leagues where, you know, you're building a portfolio of players, but rather than like a dynasty football league where it's, you know, a 12 person league or whatever your league is, you know, fully open market, uh, you know, you're kind of free to enter and exit as you see fit. Um, yeah. And, and it's across like all the different or not all, but many of the different leagues uh, across the world. So like, the, the EPL actually is not on the platform, uh, but a lot of the leagues in some of the other European countries, Asia, South and Central America, obviously North, the, you know, the MLS is on it. Um, yeah, it's just been fun. Yeah, no, I, uh, I want to say too, I mean, this, this predates Top Shot by a good bit as well, right? I think so. Um, may, maybe by like a year or so. I, I don't yeah. know the exact dates. I mean, what Top Shot was like fall of not last year but the year prior i think maybe so rare is like two or three years old they i mean they have cards from like the 2019 2020 season so i i think that that might be like a year or two ahead nice and yeah i know you were making some of the you know top shot so rare 
comparisons, but can you give the people kind of a, a high level overview of, of how they interact with the site? Is it, are there pack drops? Are they buying off the marketplace? How does the fantasy element come into play? Kind of just a 10,000 uh, foot overview of it. Yeah. So, so no pack drops, you can buy cards off a secondary market where you're buying from other owners uh, or managers, I guess, as they call them, uh, who, who have cards, have a, a gallery, um, and there's also a primary market where uh, so rare company is auctioning off cards. Uh, and that's kind of where like the, uh, you know, I, I think it's important with these things, like think about, okay, how, how is the company making money? And is that going to be sustainable? You know, if you're on a platform where the company doesn't have like a path to profit, you know, I think it's somewhat questionable. It's like how, how, how much longevity that platform will have. So this, primary market is where so rare will auction off players so um let's see well you don't have an account but when you, when you sign when you sign in there is like an auction uh format where so rare is auctioning off cards they had a big sale i think in the last two weeks or so they, they sold a unique erling holland who's like one of the real up-and-coming I and mean, really one of the, the star players in the german bundesliga unique being that it's a, just a one of one, I guess, of this current season that he's in. They'll release a new, you know, unique Holland next uh, season. I think it fetched like 700,000 euros. Um, I mean, just like a massive wow. sale. Um, yeah, the, these unique cards because they are just the only one. Um, you know, I think sometimes people buy those uniques as a collectible. But to be honest, like there is this game theory component of it where like the guy who owns the unique Holland now no one else on the platform can have that Holland. And then you, like DFS, you know, you're deploying your cards in a fantasy game where players are awarded points based on their real life, uh, you know, in-game outcomes. It's like if you have that Holland, the unique one of one Holland, you know, there are other Hollands from previous years, but in general, like other people can't have that card. So, um, you know, there is kind of this game theory component of, uh, buying these cards for, for, for a competitive kind of in-game purpose. And then also, I mean, I think some people do buy it for the collectibles. Like uh, I think like Gary V famously has just a gallery of like Killian Mbappe's and a uh, guy, Zhao Felix, who's I think a real prominent like prospect in the, uh, I think he's in like the Spanish league. I don't know. Um, but for the most part, like people are playing this as a game, which, I did not enter the space like thinking of it that way. I think my first purchase was uh, Weston McKinney, who's like a prominent American player who's playing in Italy, should be one of the stars. Oh, he's been injured a lot this year, but if he's healthy, he should be one of the stars of the U.S. World Cup team. Uh, and I was like, all right, well, you know, World Cup once every four years, the U.S. market gets super interested in in soccer. So I'm going to like buy a year out this star American player with the hope that in you know, fall of 2022, when, when the World Cup occurs, you know, I'll resell it because, you know, people all of a sudden going to be super interested in, in, in America and in American players. And like Wes McKinney just like doesn't really play that much, or at least at the time was not playing that much for his Italian club. So like not a super useful card for, from a utility standpoint. And yeah, I mean, just burnt a good bit of uh, initial deposit, just like trying to play the platform like Top Shot instead of trying to play it like, you know, a fantasy game. Right. And so I, th I just created my account. It did ask me to pick uh, a favorite team. I don't follow, uh, European soccer closely, but I do, uh, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. So I, uh, selected, <laughs> uh, Ajax there. And then it looks like yeah. they give you a couple moments from the team you select. Yeah. So, right. When you sign up, you get these like common cards, which aren't really worth anything. Like you can't, these these common cards you can't resell on the secondary market really just like a free kind of familiarity entry uh perk that they give you you can compete in like what's called casual uh contests where you can play with the common cards but you can't really win any card of value so like it is you know a bit of a pay-to-play platform unlike i mean dfs of course is pay to play but like the entry point is extremely low if you want it to be uh you you know when you're when you're playing with some of these uh cards that you can compete in contests with and win cards that you can sell in the open market or uh you can compete in contests and get eth uh threshold rewards where 
Um, you know, you have to have a car cards of a certain scarcity. Uh, you know, you do have to like be willing to kind of pony up, uh, you know, at least like half an ETH or something like that, uh, to, to really put together competitive teams or teams that I guess can, can net some sort of positive yield. Um, but yeah, gotcha. so those ones you got are just like introductory kind of free to play cards. And then what, um, that's showing me that there's different leagues that I can play under here. Yeah. So, right. So you see these different leagues, like, uh, and the colors are worth noting. So these would be what are called limited leagues where you're playing with cards that are, so they're, they're like, I guess four tiers of scarcity, right? Similar to like with Top Shop, how you have the, the common base moments, the, the MGLE caught, you know, whatever, all the way up to cosmic, uh, the, the kind of cheapest entry point are cards that exist in a, uh, count of up to a thousand. It's called limited. So that's this yellow color. Uh, rare cards, which are counts up to 100, uh, super rare cards, uh, sets of 10, and then the unique cards, sets of one. And then you can like play in all these different tiers. So, like the nice thing is, like I said, it is pay to play. You know, you have to, let's just say you put in enough, you know, money to, to buy uh, a limited team. You don't have to go up against like players who, uh, you know, have the, these Holland unique cards or, you know, you're playing in tiers of people who, I wouldn't necessarily say have like the same investment level as you, but you, you're kind of playing against cards that are similar in scarcity. I think at some of the higher uh, levels, you can kind of mix scarcity. So play teams that are a mix of like rare and super rare. Uh, and those super rare cards get like a multiplier bonus or something like that. But yeah, this limited is like the entry, entry level tier. Um, All-star meaning that you can play, it's called global all-stars. You can play with players from all over the world, uh, leagues all over the world. And then they do have like different buckets by league or like there's an under 23 division where you play with players who are under the age of 23. Um, those are kind of fun like ways to, I guess, play in games that you're specialized in. So like, you know, a big component of this is it's an extremely popular platform in Europe, not so much North America. So I have found that like there's, at least for me, and I, it's worth noting, like I'm not a soccer fan or like follower at all. Um, you know, ha have obviously done some research and I'm kind of learning more about the game uh, as it's played as well as so rare. But, um, you know, I, I do think there's like an information gap between my own knowledge and say European people. You know, if you live in Germany, you are more likely to know more about the German Bundesliga than, than I am. Um, so like, you know, if you're in my position or a position of, you know, someone who's playing from the States and maybe doesn't speak German and like, can't, I mean, I can't tell you how much like Google translate I've used like decipher foreign tweets, but nonetheless, I th still think like there's a language barrier that makes it difficult to navigate news the same way, you know, you think about navigating news on like a, you know, DFS Twitter feed where, you know, you have the, all these American reporters on you know, who's injured and whatever, uh, you know, and so, so like, I think the American contest, the North American contests are fun because, you know, it does feel like a, a format where maybe the edge that I'm giving up to these European uh, managers who are more involved and kind of knowledgeable of the nuances of the European game, uh, you know, might be giving some of that edge back to, uh, you know, I guess, participants who are playing from, you know, the, the North American side of things. And, uh, you know, I do think uh, I find for me, uh, given my, my language kind of competency, like it's easier to follow and navigate uh, MLS Twitter than it is to like navigate uh, Turkish professional league Twitter or like, you know, the, the coverage of the Korean leagues. What do we think, Brian? Are you overwhelmed by this? Like I am. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely following the fantasy sports aspect. So is it, is it like, could you dumb it down for, for, for us like DFS bros? Is it really just like every weekend there's a tournament held? It said there were 69,000 people in this one that Pete selected. And then everyone can pick from their selection of NFTs they've either purchased or were given, fill out a lineup of six players, and then it's whatever happens on – let's say obviously it's the Champions League. So I guess that would be what, Tuesdays or whatever? And then whatever happens on that day, you add up the stats and they pay out the winner. Same, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. More or less. I mean, the, the tournament is um, by kind of half weeks. So like we're currently in a, a midweek tournament where there's only this, uh, you know, European champions leagues. Uh, 
Friday, the slate, if you will, will lock Friday, super early Friday morning. Uh, if you're in America, you know, noon, I think it is uh, on the European time. And yeah, you fill out a lineup of five players whose NFTs you own. Um, those players are rewarded fantasy points based on game performance. So the most basic stuff like goals and assists are you know highly valuable for goalkeepers uh, keeping a clean sheet or defenders you know being on the defensive side of a clean sheet are valuable. But there's other stuff like just successful passes, mm -hmm. attempted you know mm -hmm. shots on goal, similar like hockey almost. Uh, but I would say well, even kind of more to DFS soccer, all those stats. It depends. FanDuel does it a little differently than DraftKings, but they have all those ones you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I would just think of it like a DFS soccer contest. The the kind of wrinkle is that there is no salary cap. Um, you know, your constraints are really your, your bankroll and kind of the uh, cards that you own. And um, yeah, the, the payouts rather than being like in dollars uh, are, are, in the form of these cards that you get in return, you can then, if you you know win cards, you can roll them into future lineups, or you can resell them on the secondary market for ETH, and then reinvest that ETH into like players you actually want. You know, sometimes you do get players that that you want or are useful. Um, yeah, and so is on it, and so forth. Is it free these these tournaments every week? Yeah, so the casual ones are free, but you just can't win hardly anything of value unless you finish like in the top three and then you can okay. win one of these limited cards, which is here on the left, the yellow one. Um, so essentially, I mean, you know, a uh, fraction of a percent chance of converting free into anything of value. Um, so yeah, you do have to get started with kind of buying the, these cards that are of value, uh, all these different kind of non-common cards have to be purchased on the secondary market or on auction. Um, you can submit them into contests and potentially win. Um, to be honest, like most of my focus has been on, you know, obviously playing the game, but um, I think also just like navigating the marketplace effectively and finding cards that are undervalued, uh, selling them when they appreciate in value uh, is another good way to make profit. So like you can deposit half an ETH build out a gallery with that half ETH. And even if you don't win contests, if your cards appreciate in value through good in-game performance by those players, you know, you can sell them, I guess, at a higher cost. Of course, you know, you run the risk of if they depreciate in value, you know, you potentially have to eat a loss. But um, yeah, so there are kind of like multiple ways to, I think, profit and, and make some sort of financial game uh, through playing the game itself and through trading. And cool. yeah, I mean, I think, oh, go ahead. So promo code Overzet doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> I know. How much? How much are the the non free tournaments then? They're free to enter. So like everything is. is there's not, not one you can pay to get in. No, no. You, the the payment is buying the cards themselves. Okay. Um, and yeah. So like like I said, you know, it's an interesting question of like, okay, you know, the these so rare is giving away, and, and there are ETH there are ETH rewards for so like these yellow cards you can only you know win cards through kind of finishing in like the top quartile i think it's maybe like top 13 percent or so uh similar to like a gpp these red cards uh rare cards you can enter those in a contest where if you hit kind of more like a cash style game where like if you hit a certain score threshold you'll get like a small eth reward like 0 0.02 something like that um yeah so you know there's an interesting question of like all right it is free to play. Of course, you know, you have to buy the cards, but on the secondary market, like, you know, so rare isn't profiting off secondary market sales the way say like top shot is when you're taking like a small fee, uh, you know, they're really only taking in money through these primary auctions. Um, you know, I do think kind of long, you know, thinking about like the long-term viability. Yeah. So these would be cards that are on auction that you can like bid up. Uh, the market usually kind of finds like the appropriate value. So, yeah, this Holland right is sitting at nineteen thousand euros, which is crazy. Um, Jesus. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is you know wild kind of the, the valuations, but like beyond just being potentially strong collectible, like Holland is a very good player that scores extremely well in these fantasy contests. So you know, potentially spending you know twenty thousand dollars on a Holland uh, could give you the ability to win rewards that. Um, you know, I think it's rare to find like a reward, uh, you know, you're not super likely to win a re reward that 
is twenty thousand dollars and we'll pay you back immediately but you know you can begin to kind of work your way back and uh you know win rewards to essentially uh you know help subsidize the cost of buying these new cards and you know additionally like you could buy holland for twenty <clears throat> twenty thousand dollars let's say i don't know he goes to the I don't know, a new team, maybe in like a less competitive league. I think given his age, like he's more likely to go to a more competitive league. But, uh, you know, or let's just say he he plays phenomenally and, you know, maybe is has a super strong World Cup performance and people increase their their value of Holland. You know, you could resell him on the, on the open market for some price higher than you paid. Um, you know, so, so ways to think about monetizing. So it's, so it's, it, once you make your lineup, you're just, you'd be, you know, a fool not to just constantly enter the free ones every time. Right. You're just, yeah. So, you know, the, I mean, yes. Uh, Cause th- th- they're free. I mean, the, the re- kind of expected value of, of these contests is extremely low. Like if you click Pete on the, the left tab, you see this prize pool uh, section. Yeah. That'll give you like a um, feel for, and then maybe a click on, yeah. So, you know, if you finish first, second, or third, you get a limited card, which has value. You can resell, you can play in contests. If you finish outside of the top three, you just get a common card. Um, Those can be useful though. Like the common cards can be played. So if you go back to the play uh, tab uh, and then go, uh sorry ho- hover over it and then click the the left one yeah march 4th to 8th so this would be like the upcoming game week and then click the rare um the rare tab uh okay well i guess you can't see the contest you don't have cards but there there is a rare contest where you can actually enter up to one common card so like a very common strategy uh goalkeepers tend to be the most expensive card uh just they're the fewest kind of goalkeepers that are active it's a position of one uh you know per game it's like what a lot of people do in the early stages and and they tend to be the most expensive so kind of like a prohibitive card to acquire you can keep playing these common uh contests in hope of getting a reward that is like better and better common keepers uh and then you can submit your your common goalkeeper or you know your best common goalkeeper that you get from like the initial drop in the rare uh global all-star contest and then fill out, you know, the, the other four slots with uh, outfield players. I guess I've learned that that's what non-goalies are called. Um, and that that will give you a way to use a common card, buy essentially one less expensive rare card, and compete in this contest where if you score above like a pretty reasonable threshold, uh, you can earn up to, you know, two cents of ETH, uh, 2.02 ETH um, per per game week which, you know, is a nice way, like with a small budget to uh, kind of scale up your your bankroll without, you know, having to go all in if of buying a goalkeeper, which, you know, starting goalkeepers can run from like 0.2 and up. Um, so like really not a cheap kind of single card investment. What is the, you know, if you have all these kind of different factors, you have the marketplace and tracking prices and you have contest selection and then you have game theory and setting your lineup. Like, is it the blend of all these things that make it super fun for you or, or where, um, what, what got you ultimately hooked on regularly coming back and playing this? Yeah. So I guess like I first heard about it during kind of top shot mania, um and i was like okay that's that's you know cool sounds interesting but i don't know anything about soccer listen to a podcast with uh, a guy named aj who's like a very accomplished manager probably one of the higher uh you know has one of the higher value galleries on the site and he was talking about he was like a, a data scientist at amazon and just really was spent a lot of time applying like his quantitative background to uh play the game at, at kind of a high level um so, so like, I like that, you know, I do a lot of modeling stuff for DFS. I think, you know, for me, that's a fun exercise. Um, so rare was like a new modeling kind of exercise that I spent a good bit of time on and started to really enjoy. And like, um, so that's fun. I mean, I think like, like I said, I, I think I've had probably the most success, not through winning contests, but through identifying undervalued players through like a model that I built, uh, buying up those players at, 
you know, their current market and then reselling them at a higher value once kind of the market realizes uh, a higher value for them. Of course, it, you know, isn't always the case. Like, you know, I've bought plenty of guys who have depreciated in value and either have to hold or, you know, sell at a loss. But, you know, in general, I think it's a pretty good opportunity. Um, you know, if you, if like for anyone who is data savvy or if you can, like, I, I, see, the thing is, I don't think there's many content sites providing like valuation projections the same way you do with DFS. So I think there's like a huge opportunity for, you know, anyone who is willing to like really study the data to get an edge, find undervalued players, play them and, you know, try to win kind of small rewards, you know, maybe increase your, your gallery by like 10% or something value. Uh, but but I, for me, at least like most of the intrigue and kind of opportunity has been in uh, just trading for a profit. Um, there is like one really good essential data tool that's, you know, public free to access, uh, right now called so rare data.com, uh, actually run. Well, I think it was founded by Parisian guys, but I know, um, Andrew Laird, who I think former Rotowire soccer guy, um, runs or kind of manages the site. Um, and, or, or I guess it does, does kind of some content leadership there super useful tool for like researching players. Uh, so these would be like players that are on auction currently. Um, but like you can search players, like if you scroll back to the top, um, you know, you can just like type in a player, like, uh, I don't know, you know, just Mbappe would be kind of, you know, as a well-known name. Uh, oh, sorry. M-B-A-P-P-E. Oh shit. All right. Yeah. M-B. You, you, sorry, you you have to have an account. Uh, got oh, okay. uh, gotcha. Do, do you mind if I share to come oh, not, drive not at through? All. Um... No, that'd be great. Uh, okay. Does do you know if Lucky Trader does anything on this, Pete or or Stuart? It's funny you say that because uh, I had actually been meaning to uh, message Lou, uh, who works over at Lucky Trader and is in the uh, the Deposit Kingdom Discord, and I know he was interested in doing some so rare content uh, as well. So I, I think they might be looking into it as well did you see an option on there you could switch between eth and euros or no yeah 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 so you can you can kind of sort or navigate the site uh Ooh. in ethereum or euro or dollar native so like you know you can just search mbappe and you know see like really useful information about him you know that like this stuff is kind of current market metrics so you know like the floor price of a limited mbappe 1.8 eth um 9.2 for like the rare ones kind of like price uh or i guess market sales data and see information about like his prior scores so scoring ranges from zero to 100 uh you know mbappe like consistently scoring in you know the the you know 80s and up uh you know information about like his upcoming schedule and these numbers down here like more like more or less like you see on DraftKings the uh you know dvp metrics you know give you a good sense of that I mean, I got really interested in like, uh, there's this scout tab and you can like find players. So uh, I don't know, you know, if you wanted to pick your forward, like for, so I, right now, like I'm focused on the, the European leagues are starting to wind down, uh, not starting to, but they will be winding down later this spring. MLS and the Asian and South American leagues will be the only leagues going. So like I'm trying to, and the MLS league started last, last weekend. So like I'm kind of focusing on, uh, MLS players. So, you know, the, there's like this really useful, I mean, when I, when I was kind of first getting, well, not even first getting started, when I was first getting started, I was just like firing blindly and, you know, just, yeah, like I said, losing a good bit of money. As one does. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> best, best way to learn. Nothing like, nothing like the stick to, uh, you know, kind of encourage you to think more critically, but, uh, you know, and you can just like search and filter across all these different metrics and kind of find players that fit your needs. Uh, you know, help you kind of build like a robust roster. Um, once you create like a, uh, once you create a profile and kind of you can connect it to your silver account and, you know, track, track your players. There's like useful, like lineup builder uh, functionality to like help you build uh, lineups for the upcoming week. Uh, you know, different stuff like that. Uh, like super useful, I guess, if anyone has questions uh, in the future and like is interested in trying to do this stuff, like I'm happy to answer questions there's uh you know obviously like a lot of people who, who kind of use this platform i'm sure if you kind of follow the right people on twitter you know people tend to be pretty helpful 
um, whether it be like on Twitter or Discord. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, 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 they, they've done like a really phenomenal job with this so rare data. Um, but like the, the kind of biggest shortcoming, which I mean, I'm sure they will work on, you know, doing something in the future. I, I kind of am hoping that they don't do it anytime soon is like they have, um, so like if we go back to Mbappe, you know, they have information, Mbappe, they have like information on kind of his sales trends and stuff, but there's not really like, you know, it's like with DFS, like you can box score watch and be like, oh, well, you know, uh, Jamar Chase has been doing X, Y, and Z over the last 10 games. Therefore, I think he's going to do something similar moving forward. And like, as we all know, that is not the best. I mean, it's a decent way to go about like evaluating players for DFS, but obviously not the most efficient. So I've been spending a good amount of time like extracting raw data, building models to uh, study like what the market is doing, what is the market valuing as it pertains like players scoring ability, uh, the leagues that they're in and kind of the, the scheduling around that. Uh, just like the real world market value of players. So like there can be super strong young players who just like aren't currently in a role to succeed, but have like some massive, you know, $20 million contract. Like those guys are typically, you know, good cards to own, even though if not in the short term, you know, might long-term have some value. So, you know, I, I've been spending a lot of time yet trying to come up with models for just valuating players. And like, I think, you know, you're even seeing more of that in just general NFT space of, you know, people trying to figure out, all right, how do we, how do we efficiently kind of value uh, NFTs and, you know, how do, how do we come up with a system for identifying NFTs or, you know, players or, you know, whatever it be uh, that is undervalued and, you know, we can expect to appreciate and value in the future. Um, to me, that's like a super interesting exercise that Sura data has not taken on. Um, I can imagine they they might at some point in the future. I mean, their their rate of uh, like iteration and development on the site has been like insanely fast. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that they they roll out potentially put behind a paywall. Um, I think it would be super worth paying uh, for it if, if you're not doing this stuff on your own. Um, but yeah, I mean, I certainly get a little nervous about that coming out because you know I don't think there is too much out there with uh, you know market valuation and uh, you know, really like objective tools for, for navigating players on not what the market is currently valuing at them at, but, but what it should be valuing them at. And, um, you know, obviously the, the Delta between those is like, you know, good opportunity to buy or sell in, in my opinion, in my experience. Wanted to hit a couple questions, uh, from the chat here. I think this is going to be one, a lot of people have as far as, you know, dipping your toes in, if you don't have you know, extra ETH in the couch cushions to just blast off with what is a realistic amount where you wouldn't get dusted, uh, but could still have some fun and be competitive. Yeah. So I do think it's like, it's going to be a somewhat different answer for different people. I mean, you kind of want to think about like what your objectives are. Uh, for me, like I think about half an ETH is probably a necessary like minimum amount um, so like, you know, you have to understand D DFS, everyone is working under the same constraints. You know, the, the, the biggest DFS whale still has to abide by, you know, the, the $50,000 salary, um, such that if you're not a whale, you know, you still have more or less equal opportunity to you know, win the milli or, you know, win uh, a double up or, you know, win your head to head or whatever. Um, not really the case in so rare, like there are guys that just have a huge bankroll and can put together a, a weekly rosters of just all the best players in the league who have the best matchups and, you know, all this stuff. Um, I think kind of like minimum like entry strategy for me is get like half an Ethan and start playing these um, all-star, all-star rare contests where uh, if you finish with a, a total of like 200, I think it's 205 points or more, uh, you can get like half uh, 0.02 ETH. And like, I know that's not a lot, but on like a half ETH deposit, you know, if you can consistently make uh, 0.02 per week, I mean, you know, you're talking about like percentage wise, decent returns. Um, so like, this is the lineup I'm going to likely run in 
this contest this weekend, not the best players in the world. Like, you know, um, not, is not going to have a chance to like finish in the top 1% and win, uh, you know, two ETH Killian Mbappe. Like it just, I mean, just like the, the odds of it happening are, you know, infinitesimal just because these aren't the best players in the world. They don't typically score the highest, just like if, you know, you were trying to win the Millie maker with, uh, $30,000 salary and there were people in the field that were playing with a $70,000 salary. Like there's just, there's just no way, you know, you could win. Um, but that being said, like, I think there's a decent chance that I could win uh, kind of a fringe like tier three card worth, you know, 0.05 to, you know, 0.2 ETH, something like that. But I think, you know, I'm almost guaranteed to hit like a 250 point threshold and, you know, win uh, 0.02 ETH, which, you know, for me, you can see my balance is quite low right now. You know, that, that would, that would be uh you know, pretty, pretty good win for me. And, you know, then I can reinvest uh, that into other cards to either improve like my all-star rare lineup so that I increase weekly, like my probability of hitting 250 or, you know, so, so that would be like, I would say kind of the cash game, like low risk, low upside approach. Um, but I think in the early stages, if you don't have a huge bankroll, like you can try to shoot for the moon, but just given that you're playing people who have like a way bigger bankroll, just unlikely happen. Uh, but you know, with 0.5 ETH, like I think you could put together a viable um, limited team that could give you a chance of like winning, you know, uh, a limited card, which could be anywhere from like 0 .0, 0 0.005. So like next to nothing, you know, even but something up to like 0.1 ETH on a weekly basis. But I still think, you know, your, your odds are quite strong or quite, quite low. Um, you know, if you have a small bankroll of competing. Are there against... a lot of, are there a lot of dupes? I was gonna, I was wondering if we were <laughs> going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, at the at the um at some of these so like I, i'm just playing in this limited and rare tier which are like the two lower tiers but in this uh well i don't have unique cards how many but opponents it, are in that one uh so this one would be five thousand or nearly six thousand oh. managers have entered so far okay. so i like this i like the under 23 is pretty fun um there i i get the sense that there are a good bit of dupes at like this not not a good sense but a, a few dupes at kind of this upper tier but it's it's actually like dupes aren't um, they won't sink you because these these different players have you can see down here these uh, like seven like a seven point five percent multiplier booster. Uh, so like if someone ran the same lineup but had lower multipliers, uh, you know I would be able to beat them right even if the lineup mm. was duped. Why are the um, multipliers different? Yeah, so it has to do with like how long you hold a player, what season the cards are in. Oh. Um, so like that's where kind of my approach could run into issues. Like I'm not playing at the level where, uh, you know, my my delta is going to be defined by like how big or small like my multipliers are. Um, but like I tend to have a pretty like uh, like high vol, high, you know, high frequency trading approach. Not not like algorithmic or anything, but you know, I'm kind of selling and buying like you know a half dozen or so players per week once, you know, I kind of identify players that are undervalued or if I have players that are overvalued, you know, trying to get rid of them. Um, but yeah, I do think so. Like thinking about things like DFS, I do think at like the lower levels, uh, deploying some like correlative strategy makes a lot of sense. Um, so like, this is the lineup that I have that is the most kind of DFS oriented. Um, I, I've played like a little bit of hockey, uh, I guess last year, like hockey, highly correlative, you know, you want to essentially get the assist to goal combo, just like you want, you know, you know touchdown pass to reception for, for football. Um, I think like there's actually really good defensive correlation. So goalkeepers get a huge boost um, when they record a clean sheet. So like this guy, Slanina is the Chicago goalie. Uh, he, Chicago recorded a clean sheet last week. He gets, I guess it's well, like 25 points. So, you know, 25 out of 100 is like a huge boost for the clean sheet. And then I have these two Chicago defenders who also get an extra 10 points if they play 60 plus minutes in a clean sheet performance. So uh, like last week, uh, you know, I managed to win uh, a fairly weak, but, you know, this is like a pretty cheap uh, team. Slanina is fairly expensive, but I, I think you could build this team for like less than half an ETH. Um 
you know, so, but, you know, I'll kind of live and die by this Chicago build if the, the fire get wrecked and, you know, Selenian gives up goals and these guys don't get their clean sheet type thing. Um, you know, uh, I'm kind of at, at a long shot to win. Um, and then I have these two guys who are on the same Belgian team. They uh, play the worst, the worst team in Belgium. So there's forward and midfielder who hoping will get some sort of assist this week. Um, you know, I think like if you are playing with a small bankroll, trying to take a correlative approach is a good way to go. I mean, there's nothing worse than like, you know, you get four out of your five guys who score strong enough to kind of put your team into, uh, you know, a card winning position. And then I don't know, you know, your goalkeeper concedes a penalty or something. And, you know, it's just like, you can't win if, you know, you don't have all your guys hitting say like 60 plus out of a hundred points. And, uh, you know, I think by, by taking this correlative approach, like certainly on the defensive side is a really good way to just ensure like, all right, if Slonina has a bad game, you know, naturally I just have no shot because these two defenders are going to have a bad game. But if he has a great game and Chicago, you know, blanks their opponent, you know, I'm just almost, I don't want to say guaranteed, but nearly guaranteed that his two defenders will also have really, you know, fairly strong games, you know, strong enough games where, uh, you know, I'm in position to win a card, uh, you know, attacking players, it's a little less um, kind of certain, you know, with, with DFS football, like, you know, the quarterback, all you, I mean, almost certainly know that the quarterback is going to throw the passing touchdown. It's kind of just tough to figure out who's going to be the receiver. Uh, you know, this team Antwerp could score like three goals this weekend. And uh, if it's not one of these two guys who account for any of the goals and assists, you know, it, it'll be all for naught. Um, but, you know, in general, I think at a low bankroll, like taking a correlative approach makes good sense. Of course, if, you know, you have a huge bankroll, probably less need to be correlative. Like, like I said, you know, if you had a $70,000 DraftKings salary, uh, you know, there's no need to like stack, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill with AJ Brown, you know, you just play Derrick Henry, play, play Brady, play Cup, you know, play Gronk, whatever, and just, you know, you don't, but, but, you know, I think constraints create the need to, to be correlative. Um, so like I, I'm playing with a, you know, relatively limited bankroll, uh, trying to take, you know, correlated approach. Um, here was, here yeah, was a that, question from historical anomalies that I think is a good one. He was referencing that Holland auction. We pulled up with a price tag of 19,000. He says, can that be recouped in weekly contests or is the play by that buyer, um, just hoping to resell at a, at a higher price point. Yeah. So I don't think that, so, so I, I mean, that, that person is playing at this unique tier where like they're going up, I think against fewer than a hundred, uh, contests, uh, contestants. I, I don't think that that, uh, value can be recouped in a single week, but you know, unlike DFS where you roster a player and then, you know, you have to pay again to roster them the next week. Like the person who owns that Holland card, can roster Holland in future contests. Uh, so, you know, I think over the long run, there's the potential for that to pay off. Uh, obviously it's going to be dictated by like what other cards uh, that player has, that that manager has going to be dictated by like Holland's career trajectory, going to be dictated by the silver market as a whole. Like even if you're able to beat the market, but the market tanks, uh, you're probably going to lose money. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thinking is that like shrewd purchases have the potential to pay off, uh, in the long term. Um, far from a guarantee, it, extremely unlikely to pay off, uh, in a single week. Uh, that specific purchase, probably impossible for it to pay off in a single week. Although, like I said, I'm not like playing at kind of this upper, uh, tier where I'm super familiar, like with kind of what the range of outcomes are. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the thinking is that over the long term, uh, you know, you do have the potential to uh, make your money back. And like, look, I mean, the, the guy who, you know, put 700,000 into that card, like, not like he just has nothing to show for it. Like he, he has the card, he can resell the card. I mean, if, uh, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, with, with traditional kind of pay, you know, DFS contests, like, uh, you know, you, you put your money in and you you know that there's a decent chance that you might not get that money back. Uh, you know, in this case, you are obviously depositing money in exchange, getting, uh, you know, a digital asset. You can, 
that can go to zero. And of course you lose all your money, but uh, you know, the, the thinking is that there, there, there's some stability in the market. I mean, I, I personally am just like optimistic about the market as a whole. Um, you know, I do think it's so popular in Europe and not super uh, popular in America, but being so like, um, you know, my, my kind of thesis is being a world cup year and, and so is actually opening an office in New York. Um, I, presume probably to, to seek to reach like a, a more global and certainly a more, a broader North American audience. Like I'm optimistic that there's kind of uh, macro growth potential uh, for the platform, as well as, you know, optimistic that I can play profitably and kind of uh, on a micro level beat uh, the, 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 the underlying kind of macro market, if that makes sense. Stuart, all, yeah. all you have to say is not financial advice. <laughs> Conscience is clean, buddy. Trust me. Yeah, um, yeah no, I mean, I, I know it, people so say, say I have joking, a question about the sure. company. Sure. Well, you know, let me let me make a like uh, what I'd like to see in the NFT. I don't know space community is a chart or some sort of graph that shows like the decentralized levels of each project. So like for so rare, there's this there's this DFS aspect. Is that all on the blockchain? Okay, there's the cards. Is that all on the blockchain? The, then there's the free cards. Is that on the blockchain? What what part? Okay, I'm assuming some of the cards are on the blockchain. How much is on the blockchain? Is all the images on there? Is like do you get it all? How much could the company change? How centralized is it? Things like that. Yeah. So it's quite decentralized in that regard. It's all like Ethereum based. Um, my understanding is that like, you can, I think even sell Sora cards on OpenSea. Uh, I, I, I don't know that they're like super uh, like developed, I guess, offsite rails that would allow you to participate in like a, a super productive way off of Sora. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all blockchain based. Um, so in that regard, I suppose you have, some ownership, but uh, I don't know. I mean, like, even if you own the cards, like if SoRare as a company goes under, or let's say SoRare as a company decides to start charging a 5% fee on secondary transactions or uh, lowering the rewards giveaway. So like there's discussion that this uh, 0.02 ETH bonus might not be available forever. Like these are ways that I guess centralized decision-making stands to impact uh, the kind of financial financial viability of your decentralized assets. So like, you know, I, I think there are some uh, decentralized components of it, like it's on the blockchain, but they're, you know, like I think a lot of this stuff, like there are centralized components to it. You know, they, they control uh, to some extent the supply. I mean, these cards of different scarcities have like fixed caps, but there's, I mean, a lot of talk that they're going to introduce like a new category that's, you know, uh, supply size of, of 10,000. So like there are centralized decisions that stand to impact the viability. Um, I don't know. So I hope like that makes yeah, sense. I, and, and I'm not a decentralized maxi either. So like I'm fine with a company like running, running the show for the majority of it. Um, I just think the idea of really putting that info out there somewhere on lucky trader or some site, you know, you could just picture it in your head, like all the projects are on the left-hand side and then the right-hand side are like levels of decentralization. And you just make it transparent that, okay, the pictures can be changed here. They're not actually on the, the code, uh, on the Ethereum code that got minted or whatever. You know, however it's explained to dummies like me. And so we could go through and then make make the choices. And for me, I wouldn't care that much. I'd rather be, you know, I, I'm fine buying Amazon stock or or buying an NFT from Top Shot, you know. But it, I think it would also help too where people would be like, less confused. They'd be like, Oh, you know, that's not decentralized. You're like, well, yeah, you know, this one's not either. You can go to this chart and you can see they're all pretty close, but some of them are more decentralized. And like, speaking of like rugging and stuff like that, like maybe some of these countries, these companies could be like, listen, our long-term goal is 100% decentralization. It's like, once we get this rolling and it's all going, you know, or 95% decentralization, like what's their long-term goal, something like that. And I'm not saying that that's exactly what I want, but I think that's what the a lot of people complain about maybe what the market wants is a little more transparency and how decentralized some of these projects are. Is, is De'Aaron Fox going to rug us? You know, that type of thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, one other question I have for you too is it does seem because of the utility of the gameplay that the it does function way more like a stock market because a hard lesson that Brian and I learned with Top Shot, and I'm sure lots of other oh, yeah. people realize this, we made our bet. I was talking about this on Club Top Shot. We made a bet on Nikola Jokic, bought one of his premium moments on Top Shot, and then we hit the fucking nuts. He won, he won MVP, and we couldn't get paid off. And it was like we made the bet, threaded the needle, and then there was no liquidity for what we had. It sounds like with so rare that you actually can get paid off if you were to nail essentially a futures bet like that. Yeah, I mean, that's like what I really like. I kind of started getting into SoRare as I was getting out of Top Shot because like, yeah, like you said, I mean, I think a lot of people in the DFS community got into Top Shot because there was this idea that like, all right, you know, I'm following basketball on a daily basis, you know, studying the players. I have, you know, a good understanding of like, uh, oh, you know, the 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 Lakers and Clippers are playing primetime Sunday and, and Paul George is out, you know, great opportunity to buy Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, if he has a great game on primetime, you know, he should pump like that, that. That's kind of a short term uh, outlook. But even like, you know, you're describing with Jokic, uh, kind of more long term stuff. And like, I think that was one of the assumption that I guess at least I made and I'm sure a lot of other people made. And like, I don't know, for, for me, it just became very clear that like you, your ability to kind of play, I guess, play top shot well, like game the market well, was just so anchored to like the market as a whole. And even if you were making uh, like plus EV micro decisions, it is just impossible to like, uh, you know, outrun a bat, uh, you know, a declining market. Uh, but on the flip side, you know, uh, when, when things were going good, you know, you could be like buying players who would get injured the next night. But if like the market was pumping in a great way, like it just didn't, you know, it didn't matter. You're just, you're just to- so solely tied to the performance of the the macro state of the market. And like with SoRare, I think there is this really cool component where, um, you know, you, you do have an understanding of like what people are optimizing towards, right? Like with Top Shot, I mean, I think people are just optimizing towards making more money, but it's not like, you know, the 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 goal or it became clear to me that like the market was not tied to, uh, wasn't at least tied very tightly to like real world performance. And so like if you were optimizing towards projecting players who, or undervalued based on like their real world skill uh, or, you know, the, their prospects for like awards or winning a championship or whatever. Um, and just like, didn't really matter and didn't, didn't uh, yeah. seem to be like a huge edge that you could grind. And like, I do think it was so rare that at least so far has proven not to be the case. Like if you uh, find a player who, um, you know, is undervalued or, uh, like there have been a few players, uh, European players who are kind of middling players on the European club who have either migrated to the MLS uh, at the start of the year or will later this off season, um, you know, great opportunity to like find a undervalued player. And, and I mean, the, the market like picks up on kind of those valuation uh, nuances pretty quickly, but um, you know, I, you can just like, to me, it just feels like a very reactive market to real world dynamics where, you know, applying like, you know, applying DFS knowledge can help you in the game contest themselves. But I think also just like uh, applying a knowledge and kind of following of soccer or, you know, applying like a data driven approach that allows you to uh, quantify like miss, not mispricing, but like just uh, kind of under overvaluation, I think really gives you an opportunity to like outperform a, a plus market, a plus macro market in, you know, bull cycles and potentially like break even uh, when the market as a whole is, uh, you know, retracting a bit, which I mean, definitely in, in just six months, like I have seen it kind of go through kind of macro uh, expansions and um, retractions. Um, but, you know, I, I feel comfortable at least right now until things change that, you know, in in the good times, I'll, I'll be able to kind of ride ride the up wave and in, in bad times be able to like limit uh you know huge huge uh downswings uh in the market so i don't know well i was just gonna say too i mean for people who are intrigued like even just hearing all of this it still seems like an incredibly daunting kind of thing to wrap your head around just with all the things even when you mentioned how the multipliers can change based on how long you own the cards and i'm like holy cow there's so many different levels to this, could you share kind of some resources or just the best way for people to kind of come along slowly? Yeah, I mean, 
so rare data is like a huge resource. I don't think it's possible to play the game without referring to that site regularly. Um, so like using that, getting familiar with that, following them on Twitter. Uh, there are a ton of different like Twitter accounts for content. Um, you know, the, the, the survey data account is really good with kind of providing data and information if you're quantitatively inclined. And, and I'm not talking about like, you know, raw data that you have to kind of aggregate and interpret yourself. Like they, they do a good job of that. Um, yeah, I mean, following like accounts, like pretty much every league has like a, a so rare account, not, not organized or kind of owned by so rare, the company, but like just some guy created like a so rare Belgium account and this, you know, or girl, you know, but whoever it is, you know, is running this account and, you know, tweeting out information like so-and-so suspended this week or, you know, whomever got injured last week and is expected to miss a couple, uh, days. So like, uh, I mean, if you just search like pretty much all the leagues, like, you know, so rare Belgium, Netherlands, France, Germany, um, Spain, whatever, like every, every league has a guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, you know, if people want to DM me, DM me, or maybe I could even tweet out just a list like that, that I think is useful, or maybe share, uh, with Pete to like put it in the comments or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, relying on Twitter, super useful. Um, I mean, getting familiar with Google Translate, like I said, I mean, so much of the information about injury news is in language, you know, in native languages. So, I mean, yeah, figuring out that is kind of one thing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, if you know. if you think of it, um, you can let me know. And you guys too, anyone watching, you know, I've, I've definitely made uh, lots of different channels in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Um, I'm always happy to make one if there's enough interest for conversation uh and strategizing about that um brian did you have anything there yeah is there is there talk about making a buy-in level where people can gamble it's like 50 euros or whatever buy-in not that i've heard of um not yeah, enough not gamble that, not on these folks <laughs> the first What's thing that? i would have brought up oh they're not i mean well yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just they've just chosen like I guess a different monetization structure than say DraftKings or you know any of these sports books. Um, you probably can't answer this, but just indulge me. Let's say money's not an option. You buy all the cards you want. You could enter all, all these tournaments, assuming you can enter them all, or you just have to pick one. I don't even know how much could someone realistically make for getting buying and selling just on these tournaments if you get let's say you get pretty lucky or fairly lucky a season. How much would you make in a year? Oh, well, I mean, I haven't even played the platform for a year so somewhat hard to tell. I mean, let's see. I mean, is it Just like so five grand or like, Oh no, I know. I mean, significantly more than that. I mean, you, I think you can make five grand easily in, in a weekend. Um, oh, okay. so like, okay. So I'm, I'm just, I mentioned this kind of all-star rare. That's their flagship, uh, flagship, flagship contest. Um, if you win first place, because you have all the best cards, you get 0.65 ETH, so that's almost $2,000 right now, plus a uh, rare uh, star card. So there are like these different tiers. Uh, the star rare cards that are available this weekend, well, the top one is Mbappe, Joshua Kimmich, Messi, uh, like Lewandowski is one of the top. You're uh, a German player playing in the German league. Florian Wurtz is like one of the top kind of young players. So, you know, what, what did I say? 0.65 ETH. So about $2,000 plus Mbappe, whose floor is nine ETH. Um, I don't know what that's 27. That's like, I mean, that's almost $30,000 right there. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry. I see you sharing. Um, yeah. So like, this is right. The prize pool. And yeah, if you get in first place, um, well, I lost the actual breakdown, but if you get in first place, you will randomly get one of these cards. This is from like the star tier. So it ranges, yeah. you know, all the way up from these players that people might recognize, you know, down to some of these other different players. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So this like first podium right here, 0.65 ETH reward so, plus the rare. So Ox and Duck, one of the burrito brothers, they drop everything. They do so rare for the whole year. You think they're making a couple hundred thousand? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if if they have like you know Pro- a maybe, massive maybe bank or, I yeah I, I uh yeah I don't know I mean to be honest like I'm playing at low enough stakes I say low enough stakes in that like the you know I'm not buying the best cards on the platform to try to win first place like I'm yeah. trying to buy undervalued cards to like win you know a tier two player um that i can flip and you know so like brian white i guess uh, a decent mls player um you know i don't know like what his value is on the open market uh hey, 0.34 Pete, what, what, what did the what, what are the guys like who do the um oh now it's blanking on me the horse racing one Oh, the Zed, yeah. Zed, like, what would somebody make nowadays in, in a year on that if they're if they're crazy? Um, I mean, I know that there's some, you know, one ETH, two ETH prize pools for some of those, and I know they've now done some bigger tournament structures too that are like brackets that might even have bigger uh, contests than that. But I think there is maybe a little bit more kind of like randomness. Um, with that, I could be wrong. Um, but it seems vaguely comparable to what could realistically be expected on a return. Hmm. I do. I do love the, the like gamification of the NFTs though. It's fun. Yeah. I think it's more, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know if, uh, if Stuart, if you saw, but I had a ton of fun with the owner's club, um, stuff this year, which similar concept, but building, you know, five man single position rosters for DFS style NFT contests. And, you know, I didn't, you know, mainly because I was lazy. I didn't um, sell in the marketplace a ton. Uh, I would go purchase when I thought there was an undervalued card that could round out my thing. But then it was just thinking through dupes, upside, correlation, all of that same stuff. And there's multiple outs. You prize pools for the contests and being able to buy and sell on the marketplace. So I do think just this entire concept of marrying fantasy sports with these collectibles in a marketplace, I mean, it is... It's so fun if they, as Brian said, if they can get the tournament structures, the prize pools, Hmm. all of that up there, that it would make it worthwhile for someone like Brian to venture over. I mean, there's massive upside. It reminds me like Magic the Gathering a little bit where like you have to get good cards. I never played Magic the Gathering because I'm a a high T-level, you know, alpha male. (laughs) No, No, okay. I I used to play it. But um, you had to have like certain cards, right? Like you had to have to build the build the decks you need and then you can go play in tournaments and win some cash with them. Like it's pretty similar to the same concept. Yeah. Nice. Or Tell like a, a pop a popular card game when I was like a kid baseball dork growing up was like MLB Showdown is like uh is like some uh you know uh dice dice MLB game and I, I mean I remember be like 12 years old and go to like some local card shop and play against like you know grown men like uh you know cussing and and complaining about adult life and but you know they're they're like adults and they could buy the best cards and kind of you know i just i stood no chance um you know trying to like buy packs and you know maybe get a good player with like money that my parents gave me or something to to buy a cat and a pack and then going up against like these guys who you know could just rather than you know tool around with packs just like go to the case buy um you know buy the barry bonds car that you know was being sold for like a hundred dollars or whatever um you know, it's a similar kind of thing did, did you guys ever play baseball mogul no the, the video game or it's it, I mean, there's a bunch of other it's basically simulation right so like you, you you don't even play the games it's just stats and you like and you you run a franchise you pick like the a's or the yankees and then mm-hmm. like um I remember Jeremy Giambi, RIP, he just passed away. He was like oh, a stud, you know, like he would come up and become a stud like 75% of the time. And they, and you know, and it just sims out like players' careers or guys will get hurt, their careers will be over, stuff like that. When you sent notes on this, I originally thought that's what it was going to be was they just simulate stuff and you just have these cards. And it's, it's not what actually happens on the field, it's whatever the, the like, code says pops yeah. out. Like, like That's kind of more like Zed, I would I think, actually, since that would uh, have to be simulated since those digital horses don't exist, whether we want them, whether people think they do or not. Do you do you guys know, like, I mean, I always just assumed when DraftKings got into these, uh, you know, NFTs that they were releasing, I mean, it seemed to me like, the, you know, and their, their CEO or their founders are like very kind of crypto NFT native. 
I mean, to me, it just seemed like an NFT fantasy football game. I mean, it just seemed obvious. And um, I mean, obviously building something like that out takes time and maybe that will be something in the future. But like, you know, I do wonder if some of these, you know, we're, we're talking now about like, uh, you know, NFT native companies building out a fantasy game. And I'm sure like there are probably legal ramifications of that, like to own and operate, you know, a, 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 a fantasy, you know, pay for pay to play kind of gambling game uh, probably has some hurdles there. But, you know, I do wonder if like some of these, you know, DraftKings or whomever uh, that are kind of interested in these NFTs, you know, could build out like similar products. Um, you know, I do know like they have the licensing, that licensing agreement with the NFL, um, which I, I assume that owner's club uh, project probably was, you know, incapable of obviously acquiring and, and, and doing like, you know, player specific stuff for, um, yeah. you know, I, I do wonder if in the future we'll see more of that from these sites. Yeah, I do think it's uh, interesting. And I know, I, I know DraftKings is going to be rolling out way more stuff with this. They're making very big bets on that stuff and wouldn't be surprised to see even some stuff available this football season with them, uh, mm -hmm. with that. But, um, this was a great, uh, primer. I'm definitely, uh, interested in it. it. It does seem like delivering more on kind of the promise of what we wanted top shot mm -hmm. to be. Uh, in a lot of ways and that there's a lot of elements uh, and basically as far down the rabbit hole as you want to go, it seems like you can go pretty deep here. Yeah. Um, yeah um, no, definitely. And uh, Stuart did give you guys permission to uh, bug him on Twitter. It sounds like if you have a question, Stuart, you're of course always welcome to hop in the deposit kingdom discord as well. I just posted uh, Stuart's Twitter account down here. I'll be sure to uh, link to some of those resources for soraredata.com and their Twitter in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah, anything else that uh, you got going on you want to plug here? Yeah, not not really. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I've been kind of uh, focused on like some personal personal projects and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing to plug. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, awesome. Uh, Brian, uh, what about you? I mean, we should mention I am going to be gone next week. So no lulls next week. So we'll be back two weeks uh, from today. We're gone next week. We forgot to mention we're tw we're uh, simulcasting on Twitch too yes. right now. So if you guys want to go over there and give me a follow, I'd appreciate it. Brian Hooper is the name of the channel. Yep. Um, and even if you're a, a YouTuber, uh, I do have the Twitch link down below. Uh, you can uh, grab the link and and get our Twitch gang going here. I had PGA ownership up. If anyone wants to go to my website, free and uh, check it out. And I think that's all. Yeah. Um, appreciate you guys hanging with us on a, on a Thursday afternoon here, follow Stuart, let us know if you get in the so rare streets and, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully do an update on it. Uh, if any of us take the plunge. So for Stuart, for Brian, I'm Pete. We'll see you guys, uh, in two weeks. Peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.